How can we write gripping crime fiction that is socially aware of the realities of criminalisation and the complexities of the criminal justice system? In this episode of the DWF podcast, Gallivanting, Naika Gori and Queenie Bonbon give us a chance to think critically about cultural and legal ideas of the criminal and the victim. So um, before we begin, I'd just like to acknowledge uh, the traditional owners of the land that we're meeting on today, the Bunwurrung and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I want to acknowledge that this land was never ceded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, including Indigenous folks who are with us here today. So this is... Uh, so we're going to talk about criminalization um, and how we represent that uh, in crime writing. And when we tell stories about crime, we're automatically nestling into a system of control and crime and punishment that reinforces social hierarchies, maintains power structures, and ultimately devalues or even ends the lives of people it deems to be outsiders. The crime writer has a decision to whether they will collude with or challenge this, and that's what we want to talk about today. That point of decision-making repeats itself again and again in the act of retelling uh, and researching crime stories. Those who validate and benefit from the criminal injustice system and the prison industrial complex would claim that crime and punishment is about actions, so the criminal act. But what happens in practice is that it's about people and identities. Keeping some outside and capital O others inside. It's designed to uphold power structures and to progressively criminalize those who stray further and further away from whiteness, maleness, uh, and from what is normalized and centralized by colonization, patriarchy, and capitalism. Traditionally, crime writing has capitalized on those systems and has a fascination with them and the desire to sort of gawk at uh, and, and understand the criminal mind. And that is kind of why uh, we don't read a whole lot of it. <laughs> Uh, and I think I want to just position that today. Uh, you know, each of us has uh, varying levels of, of uh, I guess. We're, we're not the most well-read crime, uh, crime writing readers, I suppose. Uh, so I want to position that right off the bat. Um, and correct me if, I'm, if I've, like, characterised you. <laughs> I used to be obsessed. It yeah, was okay. grim. Yeah, it was an obsession, <laughs> but I'm past it now. <laughs> I'm familiar with the tropes. Yeah. Um, so today we'll discuss how crime writing as a genre uh, could challenge mainstream ideas of crime and punishment and perhaps even take systems of oppression themselves to trial. Um, and so I'm going to tell you who I'm with to discuss that today. Um, so Queenie Bonbon is a London-born, Melbourne-based sex worker, writer and activist, and her work focuses on labour and the body. She's written three full-length shows and has toured in Australia, Europe, and the USA. Her work has featured in Maximum Rock and Roll and The Lifted Brow. She's a member of Australian sex worker art collective Debbie Doesn't Do It For Free. And her fourth show, I Made My Bed, You Lie In It, will feature at this year's Melbourne Fringe. Nayuka is a Gunai, Gunditjmara, Wiradjuri, and Yoro Yoro writer. Nayuka's writing spans social commentary on black, queer, and feminist politics to, to television writing. They are a 2018 Next Chapter recipient, and they're finishing their book of essays as part of this. Their writing appears in Queer Stories, Going Postal, and the forthcoming Growing Up Queer in Australia anthology. 
Uh, and I did not copy and paste my own bio. Uh, and so we'll tell you that I am a sex worker, a writer, um, an educator, and an advocate for sex worker human rights. Uh, and I live on stolen Gadigal land uh, in so-called Sydney. So, so we're gonna, I've sort of divided this into um, the construction of, of a criminal, the construction of a crime scene, um, and how we, might, uh, how we might be informed by, I guess, like trauma-informed writing and creative practice um, to create better crime writing. Um, so I guess my first question uh, for the two of you is how is criminality constructed in mainstream storytelling? Um, I might go. So I was looking, as part of this, I was looking at the history of crime writing in Australia. Um, and I found it interesting that the very first, um, what's considered the very first crime writing, crime fiction, was published in 1818. Um, and I was also reading, I also read crime writing is the best-selling genre um, in the UK, which is, so there's money to be made. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm really interested in crime writing and how it contributes to the construction of or production of ideas around race. So in an Australian context, crime writing has been used um, to... I saw a quote earlier that said, crime, crime writing is about crime, obviously. This was in an American context. And crime is about race. Mm. Um, and in Australia, I found it, like reading through the history, found it really interesting that um, in a lot of early crime writing, it was obviously like that colonial sort of crap, um, you know, your bush rangers and that sort of thing. And black people, Aboriginal people depicted in those were, they were the threat um, or they were the, um, the what, trackers, like helpful trackers. Um, that kind of noble, savage stereotype. Um, yeah, did you have anything? Yeah, I just like, think, so I think I, um, so I think, you know, although we preface that we're not, we don't, like maybe are not crime writers, that our writing obviously intersects a lot with crime and that I, I write a lot about crime, but it's not necessarily within the genre of crime fiction and like mm -hmm. understanding where that, that placement sits of someone who writes from um, a space of criminalization has you know has a body that is criminalized and what that means for my body to to sit within that space of understanding like what what do we see as crime writing um, and then I think it's like you know this thing of how we understand that like um, you know criminalization is a space in which like actions become illegal and the, what counts as crime is this sort of like real, like moving that's something that's like very that shifts like with time and space and um, sometimes it's something that like happens really fast and so our idea of like wh what is crime and how we write about it is is like a sort of organic thing but I think very much sits within how we understand like um, power structures that we that we either invest in or don't deinvest in. Um, and um, yeah, so I think th I think those are really interesting things in like how we, how we shape our understanding of what we see as crime and how how that informs crime writing that we interact with. I find it. Um, I was thinking about like other kinds of like it's a genre of writing, but 
other places where it exists. Um, just thinking about, so if I'm thinking about the construction of race in crime writing, um, and I, was, I don't know, I was thinking about how archive, like a lot of archival um, documents, they, they had, they have like entire books and collections of like crime records. Um, to find, I don't know, I was looking through, was visiting my auntie at hospital last week and she had one of those. And the amount of times that there were black people and just what this sort of stuff did to... Yeah, it was, it's a kind of crime writing and I've, I think it's probably... We could say a lot of it is fiction, particularly when it comes to black people. But I think what you were saying around actions being criminalised, I think we could go even further and say that it's people, mm-hmm. like groups yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking about, like, black literature that came out... Um, say, like, James Baldwin, if Beale Street could talk, like, I, I wonder, is that a crime? Like, if I don't know if either of you have read it but or watched the film recently. I haven't watched it yet. Like, would that be considered a crime, a book about crime? Um, but it's about the wrongful imprisonment of a black man and what that does. Um, yeah, anyway. Good. And I think when we look at the, like, you know, the layers of criminality and, and crime that we, you know, like... Right now, we're standing on a, a crime scene, uh, and you know, Queenie, you and I have been discussing that. You know, when you're at work, uh, your body is a crime scene. Your the, the the flat that you work from is a crime scene. You know, so I feel like we have so many layers of these things, and and expanding our definition of of crime writing to extend to that to those other spaces, or to at least acknowledge uh, that 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 they are crime scenes is, is really important and, and part, of, uh, part of that process of positioning yourself as a writer. Does it take... Do you think that, like... Does that add to the sensationalism or do you think it strips it? If mm. we can say, actually, these so-called crime scenes are everywhere, mm-hmm. um, does mm. that strip it of its power? I don't know, just something I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm not trying to be the moderator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not prepared for questions. <laughs> but I, I think let's, let's actually take that thread yeah. of, of spectacle and the gaze uh, that, that is so inherent, I think, in our obsession with things like true crime, which is, you know, I guess, like anything that claims to be the truth about a story that, you know, where, where there's a clear victim and a perpetrator when we know that those things are not always so easy to delineate. So let's talk about, um, about the spectacle of crime, uh, crime writing. Um, yeah, I think what's, what, what you were saying then about, like, the... Um, there is this complexity about how we hold, like, um, like, the victim and the perpetrator and that we... I feel like it's like a we don't really have the skill often to like the critical theory in or the critical thinking in how we like have that ability to hold the complexity of seeing someone as a full human and also seeing like the harm that they have done mm-hmm. and understanding that I think when we think about harm that harm can also that harm is like something that one person does to another but also that's really connected into um, harm that is like done by this harm that's done by the state and that those things I feel like you can't really um, like take those two things apart Mm, mm -hmm. I think when I think about the spectacle part like as I said before I used to be really obsessed with crime writing my mum was a cop while when I was growing up um, and so she was very morbid so I grew up with like 
these really morbid stories um, and PTSD, but that's another, that's another panel. Um, so mum was really, in her spare time when she wasn't being a cop, she would read books about cops. Um, <laughs> it was a weird cycle. Um, but I, so I, like I remember in year eight, I, um, there, was a, there was a book about the Jaden Lesky murder. I don't know if anyone old enough in the room remembers, but uh, I was from the same town as Jaden, um, but I was living in Queensland. So I found the connection to, it's a true story, the connection to the murder, this like sleepy Gippsland town that no one's ever heard of. Um, anyway, I was in year eight and I did a presentation on it um, and the teacher called my mum to school and was like, your daughter is disturbed. Um, but I, I, like, I just found it fascinating. So I think about crime writing, whether it's fiction and non-fiction, what, why do we write it or why, you know, us in the room who are interested in writing it or already do, why crime writing or why crime fiction? I guess, like, whether it's our taste in television, podcasts, books, mm -hmm. We obviously, as a society, have a fascination with this sort of thing. I think we can say that it's entertaining. And then I guess when, if we dig deeper, why is it entertaining? Like, what, what, what are the ethics about that? Is it that we like to see other people in pain? Do we like mystery? Do we like to see cops save the day? Do we like... What is it that we're really searching for here? Um, I just... And I think if we dig deeper... Like, crime writing, it's a place for fantasy to play out in a way. Um, and I think there's something weird about, and I look back on my own taste, like, what was I, why was I reading this stuff, this really painful, horrific stuff? What itch was I trying to scratch there? Like, why was I fascinated with reading about, you know, dead women? What, what was that about? So, anyway, it's weird. The spectacle's weird. Mm. I think uh, the you, you and I, Queenie, again had a discussion about like proximity and the, and the criminal as other, and one of the reasons perhaps why we are so fascinated uh, with the criminal mind um, is because we perceive it to be so different from our own, mm. uh, and therefore we want to kind of cast our gaze upon this other and feel really separate from them, uh, which I think is, you know, it, it's pretty entertaining given that we all participate in the systems that create the crime and the criminal, uh, but yet we feel so distant from that space. Yeah, I think that's like a really interesting thing in like in how in like in examining our understanding of crime and like how it's and how it's like portrayed in the media that we interact with and and just really thinking about like which which crime is it that is that is getting attention or getting our attention um, and sort of being able to just sort of look in that space about like is the media that you're engaging with assisting in like your understanding of crime and like what what does that mean in our idea of like sort of like consensus reality of, of like who who is the criminal? I think. Um can you repeat the question again? I had a really good idea, but then I lost it. What so going saying? back to the proximity question. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what I'm like, what I'm interested in is how we kind of cast our gaze upon this other. And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that enough? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, yeah. I find this really interesting. So like, I'm as a, I'm a black fellow. I'm Aboriginal. So. Um, like police. 
police were initially started in this country as a way to control Aboriginal people and to aid in stealing our land. So it's not surprising then for in the racial imaginary of white Australia that we are a criminal, like we're something to be controlled. Um, so I think we... Looking at the other, it's very... You know, we, here, here in Victoria, we have... The government just put $1.8 billion uh, this budget to build a new prison, and it's also building another um, prison, a youth prison at Cherry Creek. And we always... Yeah, we think that these places are occupied by, you know, other people, bad people. Um, and we don't... Like you said before, Gala, like we, cre we create the circumstances under which, you know, people are criminalised or, the you know, well, not us, but as a society, we're kind of comfortable with the idea of criminalisation, but, or that that's something that people have agency or, you know, they've ended up where they belong, basically. We don't, we don't, and I think about being black, we don't see the ways, and I think crime writing um, doesn't always expertly explore how criminalization happens to people. Mm -hmm. It is something that happens to you. It's not something that you necessarily do. We know this because of the way some people are criminalized and others aren't. Um, so I think, anyway, I could rant, but anyway. Mm. <laughs> well, so I guess let's go towards uh, uh, prisons and the demarcation of space uh, you know, between uh, cr criminals and non-criminals. Um, what, uh, I guess, what impact does, does that demarcation have on the communities that, that we live in? Um, I mean, I, can I, this is one thing that is, is not about prisons, but it's about, just about our, our landscape that we interact with. And I know for me that there are, because um, we live uh, in Victoria, where there are areas where like brothels can be and can't be, and that means that they're in industrial areas. And I always think this is a really curious idea that like, um, when I'm walking into these spaces, like who who is who is the criminal, and am I am I becoming like more dangerous as I'm in that space, which is marked off as like I can specifically be allowed in this space, and then like what is it about me that when I'm sort of exiting that space that somehow like oh I'm allowed to be in this space that like my identity has somehow changed, and this idea of like who who are we trying to keep safe because we know that sex workers are among you and our clients are also <laughs> like you, your neighbors and your brothers and your partners and your father like you know uh it's like they're the same people like we don't exist separately and yet there are these specific marker points of which where we can exist in and because that feels like that is a safe that is a safe distance from from like where where other happens mm. and that we can be in that space while this thing is happening and um, yeah, I think there's like that that movement of where the spaces that we can exist in, and that makes us feel like, oh, that is that is our idea of like what safe is, mm. and who that safety is is for, and what that is really what what you're what you're actually keeping safe in in these um, in this sort of uh, mapping. Mm. 
And I think, you know, the, um, like as, as sex workers, we have this option. Uh, so we exist in a criminal body when we're at work. Um, and then depending on uh, what other identities we hold uh, or lacks of privilege that we hold, we may be able to drop that criminality uh, from our bodies as we walk away from that crime scene. Um, but there are other folks who, uh, who cannot... Uh, you know, who are unable to because they have visual markers of difference uh, who cannot drop the criminality from their bodies as they, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like the discussion that happens in the United States around police shootings of African-American people uh, and, you know, that whole idea of like walking whilst black um, and, and that being in itself a crime. Uh, and so the, the uh, you know, whether like the ability for us to... to be separated from our criminality, depending on what body we are in, uh, is, is compelling to me in this discussion. And also that this, I mean, it, uh, the, this idea that the people who cause harm are um, monsters really cr creates this like very big disconnect from um, our understanding of like, if people who have caused harm to us, that they're often intimate people in our lives and that actually can really, that's a real like rupture in our, um, these relationships when we place these people as these like very undimensional mm. monsters and we, and we know that like the people who have been caused harm to are, have very, um, you know, individualized identities and yet we have this like very specific ideas that those cause harm are, have a much more sort of like monolithic like um, idea of who they are and it's just like that's, it's just like that just doesn't make. I mean, mm. I mean that's just it, it's just not true. I mean, it's just not mm. a reality. And if we think about it and we construct it, like, but yet we have like these this one system of how we deal with that, mm. um, and also just like also sort of like very similar systems of how we deal with people who have experienced harm, which is very little about like ac accountability. Hi, I'm Izzy, the artistic director at the Emerging Writers Festival. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you'll check out the rest of the Digital Writers Festival at 2019.digitalwritersfestival.com. You can listen, make and play. And we've got ghosts of the internet, new machine learning tools for writers and experiments in digital storytelling. We've also got some really special webinars, including uh, one with one of my favourite audio producers, Mitra Kaboli from The Heart. And if you're enjoying our podcast, we love you right back. So drop us a review, recommend us to a mate, and hit subscribe wherever you like to listen. I think, um, yeah, I agree with all of that. Also thinking there are other sites of incarceration mm. um, as well where, like, we in society, I guess weeks, you know, apparently people do the crime, do the time, whatever. But that demarcation, particularly, like, if you're black, you know, it's hard to... Like, prison, you might leave, but there are, you know, whether it's particular conditions on being out um, mm. or having a, you know, criminal record, it's kind of... It's hard to become even good, so-called mm. good, again. Mm. Um, and I'm also thinking about how... Like, prisons are just a place where we put away, like, people we don't want to think about, people we don't want to care about in society. And, like, that, yeah, the... I think it's useful thinking about... Instead of thinking about 
crime as the thing that we care about. I think it's actually harm, and we've talked a bit about harm. So if, you know, the legal system is meant to address crime or whatever, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, people don't actually want to see their family go to prison. They want the person to change or be better mm. or, you know, so that it doesn't happen again. And prison doesn't allow for that. Mm. It is, it, there's, no, there's no rehabilitation there. It's not about... It's actually a punitive. It's about punishing mm. people. Um, so, anyway, it's... That demarcation, like, it's a physical, tangible thing, but I think it... You know, we... There are intangible ways where it's a lot more blurred. But I, I really like that we're talking about harm and demystifying. And I think a lot of crime fiction can be responsible mm. for whether it's Hannibal Lecter or um, these sort of... Positioning the criminal as this, like, you know, abhorrent monster... Um, and not thinking about, well, how... Firstly, like, how often... It is very, 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 very rare that things like that actually ever happen. Mm. Um, but I think crime writing can make us, you know, thrilled about it. Um, and, like, I know people that have killed people and they're not monsters. Like, it was, you know, people accidentally do shit. You know, people... Yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling again, sorry. But I haven't yeah, eaten yet. I, I feel like there is this thing that we had, like, actually the majority of people who um, who cause harm, like, would want to attend to that harm. And if they could, like, if they were supported in being grounded, that they um, would be able to be really present with that harm and that um, they are very able to experience, like... Um, like the pain that they have caused, and real, and like want to be attending to that, and not want to be, um, you know, call it like fracturing com communities. But yes, the the system that is then offered to someone is actually just, um, yeah, causing these just like further and deeper ruptures um, that uh, yes, like exacerbate the way that crime is experienced. I think it's really useful to talk about this sort of stuff. Like it might, I don't know if it, like crime writing. In my mind, it exists to. It might not. Its purpose might not be to, but its existence does anyway. Kind of perpetuates, like the prison industrial complex and also the role of police. I'd, I'd be really interested to explore, like, mm. you know, if if the current. I I do consider it, and this might be unfair to people in the room, but deal with it. I, I do consider the model of. Um, current crime writing and its paradigms to be quite unethical and contributing to, like, bad things in the world. But I'm interested to know if, like, if we are actually interested in pain that humans do to it, cause to each other, the harm that we do, what would ethical crime writing look like mm. in that? Yeah, I don't, like, for instance, if it is about addressing harm, um, how do we, what would, like... I'm interested to know, you know, if it's about, say, communities responding or how families respond to, say, something shitty, something in the, someone in the family has done. Like, that's the sort of writing I'd be really interested rather than just, like, Hannibal Lecter shit. Anyway. Yeah. And I also similarly think that there's, like, this thing when um, we, cr like, create a very... Um, 
like unnuanced victim and the, their trauma is very much located in, in the body and inflicted upon them and it's not represented in the trauma in, in the world that they, that they live in and we, which we have a part of the, that building of. Um, yeah. <laughs> losing people. Um, but, uh, see it, dudes. Um, I, yeah, and I often think there's like this really curiosity in like the writing that I, that I create, which is, you know, ha is, a, is a lot about cr crime that exists in, in my world and my understanding of crime. That if there was like a, you know, in, in some other world where it gets merged with like cr crime scene CSI, there's like a Queenie Bonbon mashup. It's just like, <laughs> I, I feel like I, you know, I probably would survive one episode and I would, and even though I'm like a very like heavy content creator, I feel like the content that would probably be referenced would maybe at best be an ad that I've written mm. and I would be able to be marked upon like, oh, this is how much she charged, this is how she worked and there would be really no other aspects of mm. my existence mm -hmm. which would be able to be and then there would sort of either be, I feel like the, the space that I would be allowed to exist in is either one of real trauma porn or like mm. best like happy hooker like oh hooker with a heart of gold but damn if only she'd made better choices mm -hmm. and um yeah I, I I like that that the that trauma is being invoked in this discussion and where I feel like there is no crime without trauma like the the actions that we take are so often informed uh by by the traumas that we experience and inflicting them upon others is, is you know, it just repeats those things. Um, and so I wonder what trauma-informed crime writing would look like, and maybe ethical crime writing would include mm. uh, a trauma-informed perspective. Um, do either of you have thoughts on how that, what that would look like? I think fiction in general, like taking away the crime element, I think fiction can be really transformative mm. and it can, we can do things in fiction that don't currently exist in the world. That's why I really love um, writers like Octavia Butler. Um, and I, I can't see why we couldn't have that imagination with crime writing. Mm. Like, the, the current power structures don't need to exist in crime writing. Mm. And what, you know, what... How we, you know, apparently punish people doesn't have to be the same way... Like, as I said before, what would it look like if, if communities, like, meaningfully dealt with harm and addressed people's trauma properly? What would, it look, what would justice look like in these books for, mm. for people who've been harmed? I think that those are the sort of stories I'd be really interested in knowing. Or, you know, how can crime writing point out what is wrong in society as it is or subvert the genre itself? Um, I think these are all definitely... I'm not saying don't write, but I think it, the current tastes and how that taste is re reflected back to writers at the moment can be unethical, is unethical. So how do we subvert that and how do we, how do we make it useful? Um, yeah, because like, I'm just thinking in, say, like Aboriginal women are the most... Um, are the fastest-growing prison population in the country um, at the moment. That doesn't... Like, so that means I'm apparently much more likely to be criminalised than you two, which is, like, it's... And in Canada, there's heaps and heaps of murdered and Indigenous women... Murdered and missing Indigenous women. It's like, where are the books about that? Like, there are, there are things that we could be... 
doing as a, as a society. And I think like fiction plays a huge role in that. Um, I feel like we're sort of out of time, but I think I think that's, I I love that, and that you know we we are you know we're constantly. Um, world building and it's like mm -hmm. we can really we can really create this with like you like you're really powerful in in how we create this mm -hmm. and in our um yeah like in this like consensus reality making in like what shifts what shifts are we believing committing to and what are we rejecting and what are we what are we seeing as really hopeful what is like what what can we leave behind what what is not serving us well anymore and just making those decisions and being really curious about the um, the media that you're absorbing and that is informing in you in your world building and just um, yeah just like being really active in that space mm. I feel like we have this almost like speculative crime writing kind of point that we get that we've gotten yeah. to now, uh, where we you know where where the Nordic model gets the Nordic model for criminalizing sex work gets put on trial, like you would suggest. Yeah, I feel like that's my 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 ultimate. It's just like what crime would I love to read? And it's just like the Nordic model is is made to go to men's behavioral change. What does that look like? Like communities have to do like edit, like a, a who did it in like community accountability and like un like sort of unearthing that we have these like abusive relationships with ourselves which are like the foundations of how we interact with others mm. and um, like I feel like there's I feel like there's a lot of great stuff <laughs> <laughs> we will sell you our speculative uh, crime writing ideas at a very high price um, so I'd like to open it up to questions uh, for those who want to chat hang on we've got a mic for the recording um, obviously, this touches lots of nerves, this kind of conversation, so I can't even begin Truly. to... Yeah. Mm. Well, departures, yeah. etc. And like, I'm not going to say that I'm across all this or that I'm an expert at all, but I love crime in the sense that it has a mystery, mm. and maybe it is that addictive nature that can, again, be used as a structure to unveil lots of other really interesting things that haven't been yet, partly mm. because of a lack of protagonists who have power and autonomy who are the people you're talking about, the marginalised people. And it's harder... I mean, the own voices thing that keeps getting bandied around, I'm, again, not an expert on that and certainly can't write in those shoes, so it's not for me to do, I guess. But um, if there was a compelling story for me to read um, in those shoes, I will read it. And it doesn't have to demonise or, you know, whatever uh, the main characters in the way that they do in a Agatha Christie. Um, I think it's an art form that can adapt and the addictiveness of that style has a role to play because it is so addictive and so, so many people read it, I think. But it has to be written. I can't write that. I'm not sure what the answer is, but do you have a perspective on that? I mean, I think you guys, as non... You said you don't read a lot of crime, so maybe you're not the right person to say that, but um, there are emerging voices, I'm assuming, in writing in all forms. So um, are there people who are creating some work that um, you think need more spotlight, perhaps? I mean, I think this is thinking about um, like sex work communities. I think we're, I think we're in a really in the last ten years in a shifting space in the in the work that we're able to create. And I think there's just been like so much time in just kind of um, doing this thing, which is like, hey, we're actually dimensional people, and um, that just sort of like trying to get out of these like really just like uh, like undimensional. 
like myths and tropes uh, about who we are that I feel like that that will be um, like a development in what we're able to do because it's like we already write a lot about crime and we write a lot and it just has it's not in this space of that it is crime fiction um, but we are already in a space where we talk a lot about crime and criminality. I think um, for a lot of black writers it it is often the police who are the ones doing the harm. They're the ones that, like, it's, so it's not a mystery. It's actually yeah. quite simple. Um, and this isn't just a fictional thing. This plays out if we're thinking about Australian crime non-fiction. Some of the most, like, listened to podcasts have been... Um, there was Blood on the Tracks... Um, and there was also, there's been some stuff around the Bowerville murders. There's also Curtain, which is another podcast by Amy McGuire. Um, and in this case, black in a lot of cases, we have black people who've gone to prison for crimes that they haven't committed, but they're still in there, and the cops haven't done the right thing because there's been a black victim. So I think... There are, in, there are compelling ways to highlight these facts within the work of fiction. Um, and I think black writers have always done that. Once again, you know, someone like James Baldwin. Um, and also, most recently, I read a book called An American Marriage, um, which was incredible. And it, it kind of felt like a, an evolution of if Beale Street could talk. Because, um, yeah, similar premise, but a lot more modern and, yeah explored what prisons also do to people. Um, but I think looking at good, like, black non-fiction stuff here, because, yeah, I've, the trope that we rely on in these books is that police are good and mm -hmm. that they're going to do their work. But, like, that's just not the case in reality for black people. So where, where can you find work that is, you know, a bit more truthful? And often it is black writers doing that work. And there's no reason, you know, the mystery that you said before, like the plot points, you know, the plot devices can be similar. You can still have this, and uh, you know, use the same similar arcs and narratives, but in an, eth you know, in an ethical way. Like you can still be mysterious and ethical, I think. I think I can sometimes do that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think also, you know, there's a, there's a publishing and, and an industry question here, you know, and... Uh, that industry uh, has to create space for these types of stories to be told uh, from the perspective of the people who have experienced harm. And that, that's, so that wipes out this question of victim or perpetrator. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, you know, we, this is, I guess, like, uh, either because the marketability of that mystery is, I think, you know, the the the, the vehicle for it to repeat a lot of these tropes, um, and so how can it become marketable uh, to dismantle that and to do something different? Um, you mentioned a couple of good podcasts, and an, another one that I wanted to throw in there is Silent Ra Waves um, by Raquel Desabel, um, which 
talks through uh, her, as you know, she, she's a victim of um, childhood sexual assault. She talks through and interviews her entire family. And, you know, the way that she constructs that is very much in the kind of true crime space um, and has that same sort of, like, I have to listen to every episode in a single series. Like, it's, I'm hungry for it. But does it in a, in, in a very, in a way that really dismantles the power structures um, that, it, that, that her experience existed in. Should we take one, one more? more? Yeah. Um, thank you the, to the three of you for a really important conversation. And this um, topic seldom gets addressed in discussions on crime fiction, mm. which is that underpinning notions of what we mean by criminality and justice. So it's really exciting to see this on the program at this festival. Um, I just wondered if any of you were aware of Emily Maguire's work, An Isolated Incident in particular. It seems to fit the definition of the ethical crime novel that you're talking about, Nayuka, um, where the focus is very much on the trauma experienced by the loss of a family member. Um, there's also an element of sex work in there because the lead character um, earns part of her income through turning tricks and so there's all of the kind of uh, stereotyping and... and uh, the attention, unwanted attention of police that comes with that. It's just, I don't know if any of you have read it, but I just wondered if you had a response to it. Yeah. Um, I just remembered, a, off the back of that, I just remembered another book which I think could be kind of considered a crime, crime like could be considered crime fiction. There, There by Tommy Orange. Um, it's a really, so it's like a, oh, what's the word? Montage? No, not montage. Ensemble assembly. What is it when you have heaps and heaps of... Yeah, heaps and heaps of characters telling and then they're all kind of interwoven and then kind of explodes at the end. Um, yeah, that, that exploring those characters... He explores those characters really, really well. Um, I think that would also be another really good example. Although I don't, it's not totally... I don't know. What is crime? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that that question is uh, precisely encapsulates uh, what we came here to talk about, so I'm going to end it there. Um, thank you so much to Nayuka and to Queenie for coming and for you as well. Uh, and thanks to Emerging Writers Festival for taking a little bit of a programming risk in putting something like this in. I think, it, you know, I agree. It, it's, it sits really well uh, in a subject that, uh, that doesn't get enough attention. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, Gala. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you right here online for the rest of the Digital Writers Festival program. This podcast series was put together by our brilliant program producer, Lynn Nguyen, and the audio was produced by the fantastic Ahmed Yusuf. Our theme music is the magical Huntley's Please from their EP, Songs in Your Name. You can find them online as Huntley Music. This episode was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that First Nations peoples are the first storytellers of this land and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and to the elders of the lands this podcast reaches. <laughs>